Hello, Sotans. We hope that uh, this finds you healthy and well out there. This is Sota, and uh, I'm Jason McKenzie, and I'm I'm still I'm still here. I'm still kicking. And I'm Sarah Kensler, and I am also still here. Uh, was never kicking anything, but still present. Sarah's much more calm than I, and less uh, only externally. less violent. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so today we are just gonna mix up the news and the critical topic that we usually do in two segments and we're just gonna put it in one because this is just such a big thing. It's affecting literally everyone in the world and every nook and cranny, every industry and little community world, whatever, and of course... The art world is a very global and expansive one, and it's getting hit pretty hard, but I mean, not to totally uh, be filled with feelings of woe, because art is resilient, and there are lots of ways to engage with art while you are quarantining. <laughs> quarantining, yes. So, we're going to talk about the online movement that Jasa put on our notes that I know nothing about known as hashtag museum moment to Zen. Jason, what is this hashtag? Right. So it was started by the Rockwell Museum, and it was just uh, a way to reach out to people and, you know, try to calm anxieties with art. As we know, art is a great tool for. And they tweeted out a piece of art from their collection and just to, you know, be like, hey, Times are crazy, but here's a nice piece of art for you to look at, uh, hashtag museum moment of zen. And then it was followed soon by the Museum of the City of New York, also did something similar by tweeting out a piece from their collection using the hashtag, then it caught on. It went sort of viral, if you will, pardon my extremely poor taste wow. of pun. Wow. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's just, I, yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Anyway, please continue. And uh, the Chicago History Museum followed, the Lincoln Museum, and of course, a big shout out to one of my favorite places in the United States, the Rubin Museum of Art, which is such a calm and wonderful place. And I worked there, and I love it, and I have nothing but great things to say about it. And of course, they participated because that is just a wonderful place to live. Isn't like. that their thing, is, is calming zen centering well it's it's a museum of art of the himalayas and you know there's a lot of buddhism in their the cultural art there um it's actually not zen zen is a particular realm of things that I think the museum doesn't cover but people use it kind of colloquially Mm -hmm. just to mean like calm and meditation so like technically not zen but but generally yes um and then also as of yesterday the cranbook art museum in michigan also got on it so if you need a little zen moment and you want to look to art museums or you know history whatever museums uh for that you can go on twitter and just search the hashtag museum moment of zen we'll be posting some links in the show notes absolutely and of course you will need to, uh, you know, access the internet uh, for 
things like art and permanent collections because, oh boy, are they all closed. Oh boy, all closed. Um, and that is, um, you know, while it's sad that people can't go visit, um, especially when I think so many people might be home unexpectedly, it, it kind of stinks that in this moment where people can be home, well, should be home, um, they can't go do things like go to museums because there might be a virus there. Uh, however, some of the museums have decided to close their doors for, you know, a couple of days, two weeks, and we fully support that because both Jason and I have worked at museums in the past. If you've listened to any of our episodes, you would know this. Sorry for repeating. But it is very important to keep their uh, employees safe as well so that they can continue to give really great service and provide wonderful experiences for museum patrons. Right. And we definitely addressed that in the last episode, too. Um, and this is just such a big topic, and it's not going away really anytime soon. So, uh, you know, this might just kind of be a little bit of a feature uh, on this show for a while, as it is probably on very many of your favorite podcasts right now. It's just it's just unavoidable. Some of the big names of places that you might recognize that are closed are things like the Metropolitan Museum of Art and their two other locations, the Cloisters and the Brewer Building. Um, and then, of course, this is also causing uh, contract workers who uh, to try to get a sense of clarification around their pay. And, you know, of course, that kind of um, non-salaried hourly contract positions, you know, in museums and beyond are, are in very precarious uh, positions right now. So we'll have to, you know, I'm sure that we'll comment on that soon as things keep playing out. Um, Christie's auctions are closed in most locations. Um, however, I do have kind of a little... Uh, happy story um, in regards to all these closures, which is that the LA Art Book Fair was canceled, obviously, because of the COVID-19 outbreak. And a uh, curatorial assistant from Ohio named Jordan Spencer uh, started a collaborative Google document where uh, he asked for the exhibitors at the LA Art Book Fair um, to show what they had planned to display this year, along with detailed descriptions uh, and the prices and, uh, and links where people could purchase it and then disseminated that. So you could still, you know, look at this list as a buyer, browse it, see the prices, and you could still buy remotely and support art publications. So good on you, Jordan Spencer. That is super awesome. Um, did you know that there is another literary festival that's supposed to be happening here in Minneapolis that's sponsored by The Loft? Have you ever heard of Wordplay? I haven't. Oh, okay. So it's this festival of books. Um, it's, the Loft is a, is a literary center in, uh, in Minneapolis. Um, and so normally they would be having a, a live festival where there are vendors and um, speakers and events that you can attend for literary-minded folks and kids, too. It's just really fun. So um, they don't want to have a big gathering, obviously. That seems like a bad decision at the moment. However, um, they are going to continue 
with wordplay in multimedia form. So they are going to bring live video conversations, podcasts, visual arts, author Q&As, playlists, social media takeovers, etc. instead of doing, you know, the physical festival or postponing it. So that will still be happening. Um, and it's going to happen throughout April and May. So it's also going to extend longer than normal as well. So that was very inventive and a really agile response in, in a very weird time. Yeah. Unprecedented, unpredicted, but yeah, that's great. And especially if it's kid friendly, I know most schools across the country are out and a lot of Mm -hmm. parents are working from home. And so people are looking for ways to entertain, entertain the little ones. Yep. For sure. And do it with art and literature. Wonderful. Are there any other Minnesota-based institutions that have closed because of COVID-19? <laughs> Most of them, but uh, <laughs> obviously there are a few that stand out, uh, which is the Minneapolis Institute of Art. And let me tell you what, that place never closes. As it, someone this is who true. Has, it never closes. As someone <laughs> who has worked there in, like, end-of-world blizzards, like... <laughs> They are very dedicated to keeping those doors open for anybody who wants to come in, despite the fact that the roads might be glare ice or it might be a blizzarding out, etc. Right. And of course, also the walker is likewise closed. Um, I don't know about the sculpture garden, though. Um, I haven't heard anything about the sculpture garden. It is open air. So I'm assuming that like, you know, they don't usually ban people from going in the sculpture garden. Yeah, but you know, it like technically closes at 11 p.m. Oh, or whatever. Yeah, I suppose. Um, you know who else is closed right now is the Wiseman Art Museum over on U of M campus. Sure is. Mm-hmm. The Wham closed. Yeah, and I mean, there's endless, like, you name it, it's closed. You know, uh, First Avenue has canceled its all its shows for the remainder of March, you know, yeah. that's a Minneapolis institution of other sorts as well. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a lot, that's a lot of, that's a lot of logistics and a lot of money and oof. Yep. Um, and so I found, uh, on city pages, a running list of coronavirus related, um, postponements and cancellations. So I'll definitely put that on the blog. So everybody around the Twin Cities, Minnesota, etc. can, you know, easily access that and, you know, just cross reference if some event that you were looking forward to go to, and for some reason, maybe you were still thinking that you might go, uh, you can confirm that you shouldn't because it won't be open for you to go to. It won't be open. There will be no room there. (laughs) Um, I also found a good resource called uh, Coronavirus Museum Closures Worldwide, and it breaks it down by country. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it breaks it down by country, and then it breaks it down by state, and it is extensive. That's really cool. Yeah. So at least, you know, people are, you know, people care, and they want you to be informed. Mm-hmm. Um However, I did see, uh, well, first, firstly, I wanted to share something that my aunt, who's an RN, and uh, she works 
in the ICU of a hospital in the Twin Cities. And she posted on Facebook just a little something that, you know, made made me feel a little bit better. And so I would like to share it with you, Sarah, and anybody else listening. I'm ready. It is that. Uh, all these closures may seem very ominous and give us a sense of doom, but we could also look at it as a incredible act of social solidarity. These closures are signaling to doctors and nurses and those in healthcare that we are standing by them and trying to support them in slowing the spread so that they have the time and resources to treat everyone uh, how they need to be treated. And so, you know, you can think of it more in, in a positive light of, you know, I, I'm not going to the museum today because I'm saying go doctors, go nurses, go healthcare. Yeah, and we Doing don't want to overwhelm our uh, healthcare systems because there are uh, people out there with who are immunocompromised and may not have a choice um, when it comes to staying in or going out. And so we want to be aware of that too. Uh, thank you, healthcare workers. I could not do what you do. Also, a few other little you know, on the brighter side, uh, notes related to the COVID-19 outbreak is that museums in China, South Korea, and Japan are beginning to reopen after the lockdown. So, you know, there, there is a light on the other side. Um, another story that's a bit on the bright side is that author, Idioma Aluo has launched a relief fund to help Seattle's arts community in the face of this, you know, health crisis. And it went live uh, last Monday. So this will be two Mondays ago from when this is released. They have started the Seattle Artist Relief um, and it has raised more than $74,000 and it's on its way to $100,000. And again, uh, maybe they've reached its goal by the time that this comes out, which is amazing. Uh, Support your local artists in whatever way you can. That would be awesome. Many, many artists have um, Patreons or online stores and even even in times like these where you can't like really go out um maybe do some early christmas shopping i don't know decorate your walls you have to look at them for so long because you're just sitting there all day <laughs> that's true <laughs> stare at a blank wall get yourself some visual artworks do it now do it now also, the New York Foundation for the Arts, or NIFA, as it is colloquially called, mm-hmm. um, and the Rauschenberg Foundation have uh, launched a new medical emergency aid program for artists. So it's a one-time grant, but it will provide visual and media artists, also choreographers too, with up to $5,000 to just cover any number of unforeseen uh, medical expenses during this time of crisis. My goodness, that is so generous. We're really very lucky to live in an age of such philanthropy. Truly, we need we need more things like that all of the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. All the time. Um, Yes. And as we mentioned about you staring at your walls and definitely get that visual art and promptly after uh, getting that visual art, maybe while you're hanging it, this is a great time to consume 
arts in a digital fashion that can be delivered right to your home, such as making sure that you are caught up on the entire catalog of Soda Podcast episodes. <laughs> you know, we have been doing this podcast for over a year and a half, almost two years. We're going on two years. Uh, there's so many episodes, beginning with our very first one where I interviewed Larson Husby for an hour. Um, but yeah, we have some specific ones that you could listen to. Isn't that right? We sure do. So recently, uh, we had an episode titled Alternative Exhibitions slash slash CCA. And there we talk about, um, you know, different ways that exhibitions manifest. We talk about online exhibitions and ways you can you know just view art that aren't necessarily in like exhibition form on the internet and so that will be a great way for you to you know get a little intro into how you can view art online also in arts publications and maybe if you're even so inclined you can you know follow this link that we're going to have to that LA art book fair thing where you can buy art catalogs and such wow look at me wrapping all this together that's beautiful that was so beautiful jason thank you also uh another good one uh to listen to would be what is digital art slash slash amy rice um where we talk about art that is made digitally made through the internet and that it needs to be viewed in digital means or it can only be viewed through the internet so you being on your computer is like how it's supposed to be seen, you know? Yeah, that's the preferred medium. That is the preferred interaction. It's supposed to be that way. You are doing it justice by looking at your visual art that you just put up on your wall and then sitting down on your computer and looking at more visual art through your computer. Wow. And that particular episode with Amy Rice is a very interesting juxtaposition of two different types of artwork. So you've got the digital art on one hand, and then you have an artist like Amy Rice who uses a lot of natural materials, mainly flowers, in her three-dimensional art pieces. Um, at the time that I interviewed her, she was even working towards uh, making her dream of owning her flower farm come true. And then we can dream about what it's like to frolic in flowers, and that is what we will do uh, once this crisis has passed. Let's go frolicking. Together, because we will be able to... We'll be able to be together again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. So, and then I'm just going to post one more link Mm -hmm. uh, to Hyperallergic posted uh, 2,500 museums to visit online. Yep. For your art edification. Yep. Uh, if you're bored, get uh, get to tooling around the internet and uh, go see some art. Go see some art. Go see some artifacts. Some some folk art. Some history. Whatever. Zoom in. Zoom way in. Zoom out. Zoom back in again. That's what I do a lot when I'm on like when I'm on like Mia's collection website or um, the Google Art Project. I just I just see how far I can zoom in. You can probably <laughs> zoom in farther than your eye would be able to see behind the like rope or that line on the floor. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's see, uh-huh. that's good stuff. You're it's even kind of better in some way to view it online. In that way, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you're gonna be stuck inside, yeah. like. 
Why not? Get your education on. Get that art on. Just a raging art on. <laughs> oh, we are not the first ones to have come up with that. No, like more more credit goes to Gamut Gallery and their yeah, Gamut Gallery. Shout their, out their usual Christmas uh, raging yeah. art on celebration. But you know, I'm just looping in all the Minnesota references here. Of course, yeah. Hey, um, do you do you want to hear from like an artist person? Oh dear God! I would just—I've just been sitting, staring at my blank walls all day. <laughs> I would wondering to yourself, "Gee, I wish that there was an artist interview that I could listen to, so that I could ponder what to put on these walls." Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Save me. <laughs> I'm here for you, Jasa. So I interviewed Jacob Doxy. Uh, he is an artist that I ran into at the Suvac opening for Untitled 16, also Roshan Ganu's opening that same evening. Um, Roshan Ganu was uh, my interview two, two interviews ago. Uh, Trina Fernandez, also in that show, was my interview last episode. And this episode is Jacob Doxy. So basically, if you show at Suvac or you just kind of show up there and walk around a little bit, you're going to be on our podcast. (laughs) You know, it's actually, it's not that easy because as Trina will tell you, like I, I was in front of her piece about uh, Clark Gable and I was looking around wildly and she was kind of looking at me and I said, did you make this? And she's like, yes, I did. And I said, explain yourself. And she said, okay. And then we talked about it. So like my art interactions at exhibitions can be quite jarring because uh, she, that's me she and my can element. Be. I've seen her, I've seen her do it yeah. to artists before. She just like, it's real great. like Terminator laser eyes and is just like <laughs> you on the spot now. Honestly, you, Tell would make, me about your art. you would make a great and fearsome like art, like intro to painting or like you know art 101 whatever oh like a studio oh my god and just putting or maybe like a freshman like critique course and just putting them on the spot (laughs) and making their knees shake (laughs) i would love to see that Oh, poor freshman. Well, in any case, um, I, I didn't scare Jacob off because he agreed to be, to be in a room with me and, and talk to me about uh, his work. So let's listen to that. Should we hit it? Right now. So I'm here with Jacob Doxy, visual artist. Jacob, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited. I first interacted with your work when I was at uh, SUVAC, Untitled 16, recently, which is also where I met Trina Fernandez, who was last episode's interview guest. It's a great place. Yeah, it's really cool. And I also have seen the outside of your animation studio. Yeah. It's a big cardboard box. It is. (laughs) It's practically a room, but not exactly. The walls are all cardboard, and that's pretty much just to block the lighting. Right. Uh, so I can control everything within my little cardboard room. It's a shared space. So it was mm-hmm. the only kind of way. It took me a while to figure out what to do. I was thinking about like a tarp system. Yeah. That's but what I, I would have th- I would have been like curtains. I don't know. I was like holding tarps up to lights and I was like, it's not uh, perfect. And plus they're probably going to like rustle. Yes. So I went with a cardboard, which I've been using cardboard for a long time to do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time I like used wood studs and like physically built a room. Oh, Nice. So, yeah. Okay. So you've kind of upgraded it. It's uh, definitely an upgrade. Like, there's a door and everything, and there's, like, a lock on the door, all that stuff. 
Can you tell me a little bit about your background and just about yourself in general? Yeah, I grew up in Chippewa Falls uh, in a family of five kids. I am a triplet, so we were the last ones born in my family, the three of us, and I was the first born triplet. So you're the oldest triplet. I am, by two minutes uh, older than my brother Nick and four minutes older than my sister Kate. We grew up on a lake, so we did a lot of swimming and stuff like that. Yeah, I started making art when I was eight, and I don't know how exactly I fell into it, but kind of like a lot of other people, I'm sure you just start drawing the things that you are interested in. So that's what that means, then you just kind of start drawing what was around you? Yeah, Yeah. I I think that was it. Things like Sobe bottles, if you remember Sobe, it was like a juice bottle with a lizard on it. Yes, oh my god, I'd forgotten about those. Yeah, I was really interested in those. I was really interested in like the Pop-Tart commercials uh, and different like video games and stuff like that. Yeah. At some point, I remember making these drawings based off of video games and, like, movies where it was kind of like whatever battle scenes or something on a little bit more of an edgier kind of yeah. uh, topic. Uh, and my brothers, my older brothers, would see them and, like, show their friends, yeah. which was pretty cool for me. Yeah. So it was kind of like those early things of realizing that it was, like, a, a, something different and people would kind of pick up on it. It gave me a little bit of attention, and eventually I was just drawing, like, on a daily basis up in my room, just in a drawing with, with pencil, and kind of going in, like, the surrealistic route. Uh, There's a little dabble with, like, graffiti stuff in there, um, mm-hmm. and so I didn't paint for a long time. I guess people start painting seriously, you know, pick it up on their own, but I always looked at painting. So when I went to school at Stout, then I realized that's what I wanted to go for because that was where I pulled my my inspiration out of a lot of, like, surrealist artists from, like, beingart.org, which is just, like, contemporary surrealists. Painting led me to doing different processes of art and different forms of art in order to help the painting. Mm -hmm. So once I got to a certain level where it was just up to me what I wanted to do, I continued to work from observation because I like what the outcome was. I was trying a lot of different stuff. Like I was sketching, just making kind of sketches and notes and then trying to like paint from that information. Oh, Setting up more like imaginative settings and stuff with figures and everything. Mm -hmm. But eventually it really just boiled down to me collecting found materials and then putting them into like a sculpture and then painting that. Yeah. And those started to get bigger to the point of there were like almost installations. And again, this is like where the cardboard comes in because I would yeah. build like these these huts in the studio for the lighting and stuff like that. So they started to become like these full on sculptures. So you're using the, the cardboard to create the art hut. Yep. Yep, that's a thing now. To control the lighting of the pieces that you were creating with found objects, yes. which you were then painting. Yes. How then? Did you get into animation? So I got into animation through painting. Okay. I was working towards my senior thesis show at Stout. And at some point, when I had a few months before the show started, I came up with the idea of kind of creating an animation that would symbolize the entire theme of the show. Based on artists like William Kentridge, who had shown me that you can animate in the same process of charcoal drawing on one piece of paper, just erasing and drawing. Yeah. 
and create an animation that way. It was always in the back of my head because I, I love traditional mediums. And already with painting, I tend to go back and forth and kind of build and destroy a lot. So I was already used to drawing or painting something multiple times to get to the final piece. Sure. The first kind of test ended up being this animation that was really just like a visual story of what the paintings were about. Okay. And it was really just kind of like these symbols in a 2D way that floated in. I thought about it in terms of like a screensaver. So once I started to work with two layers of paper, it opened up all sorts of different ideas and I continued to work with that process. And so what I learned in Swing Set, which is the piece that you saw at Suvac, which is the biggest piece that I've done, was that it all doesn't have to happen on the same surface. Because that was kind of front to back, that was like a five-month project. And it's all just happening on two layers of paper Mm -hmm. where I'm starting to now think about it into kind of breaking it up into chapters. People are constantly just wondering how it's made in a good way. Yes. And so that's kind of my way of being able to, yeah, I guess like just make people wonder and be interested by the work. And I'm always trying Mm -hmm. to figure out new techniques to do it with different mediums and stuff. To me, it's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of post-production or anything like that. There isn't, yeah, there's no, like, computer effects. It's all just really the drawing and those kind of sculptural elements. I'm just drawing, so it's it's really just at home for me. But I am trying to find new ways to to push the animation along, kind of, I guess, in response to how awesome of stories and things you can do when you're doing it in a digital program. Right. It's really endless, so it's trying to kind of come up with my own ways to 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 push it along. I think actually Swing Set is a perfect example. Like it's very recognizable what's happening and it's really cool to watch and it it does feel like stop motion but but it's all one dimensional, which makes it even more interesting and I think uh, draws people in without needing like an in-depth narrative of some kind. And sure. Because you're not finding out what happens at the end of the story. You're just watching yeah. something happen. Yeah. It's almost more relatable across um, across different types of people in different cultures and different social narratives that there are no figures in your mm. work other than animals, I suppose, is the chicken. Yeah, they sort of popping You know, up. there's... there's they're, they're, they're coming, they're happening, but it's very recognizable stuff. And I wonder yeah. if that's, that seems like almost strength because I feel like it would be easy to add figures in and to show them doing something. It would be very direct. And, and in this way, you're, you're leaving it so much more open to interpretation. It allows the viewer to do some of the work on their own. Yeah. And that's happened. It's interesting to see what people come back to me after viewing the work, what their response is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was last year at the Gamma Gallery. I was part of a show that Tekken had curated. And we were able to talk at the show for, for a quick minute, and he said the, sh- the work reminded him or made him think of gentrification. Yeah. Which was really interesting. And, and Swing Set has, you know, kind of the front of an apartment building, yeah. and it has elements that are have been in a, in a place for a long time. 
and and you can tell that just from the presence of them and so that's not something that I had done on purpose it's not part of my artist statement but because he was able to kind of find his own meaning in it I it was it was awesome so yeah I have to tell you that I really appreciate in Swing Set being able to see the pieces of paper being cut away um, or being ripped away, I suppose, in a very intentional, obviously, fashion. And I also, I appreciate that some of it is, it's almost like showing mistakes. Like, I did art studio back in undergrad many years ago, and it's just like when you... Those those erase marks on the paper, they're like not supposed to be there. You're supposed to you're supposed to cover them up or incorporate them into a larger piece and you're not supposed to see them. Mm-hmm. Seeing seeing where you've erased, unless it's expertly blended into part of shadow and light, is specifically in charcoal drawings, is is like it's almost like the piece isn't done. because you, you have to you have to clean it up. Sure. Yeah, one might think for me. The biggest reason why is part of the process, but it's also what it does in telling telling the story of the drawing. Mm-hmm. So just that history that the drawing gains as I work on it, as the video gets longer, as the story continues, all those erase moments stay there in in kind of these ghostly ways. Mm-hmm. are just the history and the, and the story of it. So uh, to me, it, it just is another element that feeds into the concept of building experience and how our past affects our current state and how mm-hmm. these things affect you know our, our path and our future. Well, also bringing in some really interesting visual elements too. There's more variety in the marks that are left, and it just builds more complexity to the surface so i think it's great i I, I love how it stays and builds up and Mm -hmm. for swing set when the swing goes around three times and eventually has no more slack left that whole drawing was eventually beginning to to like shed the paper like there'd been so much drawing and erasing that the paper was starting to deteriorate, which kind of like created the end of it. Yeah. Because it was like, I'm running it out It decided of, it was done. Yeah, like it can't take anymore. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's great. I, I, that's, um, I mean, a lot of the time, I think that kind of unfinished quality in drawing or painting can relate to a lot of things. One being like dream. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. I was just always interested in like that kind of visual yeah. element, visual reference to think like ambiguous kinds of dream memory, yeah, isolation. I suppose in this case, or a sense of a sense of self in place and having space around yourself in that place. Jacob, what's coming up for you in the future? So it's coming up for me this summer. Uh, I have a residency in August in Colorado in order to help fund the supplies I'm going to do an art sale in June and I haven't really attempted to do one of these before it is going to be comprised of paintings on canvas that I made four or five years ago for an art show called Jupiter Finger 
that uh, are going to be varnished, ready to go, and then I'm going to get a lot of plain air painting done too. And so it's really just going to be helping me pay for the residency and then the art supplies and everything. So yeah, it's going to happen in June, and I'm going to be promoting it on my Instagram, which is Jacob T. Dot doxy j-a-c-o-b-t dot d-o-c-k-s-e-y so the and the reason i bring that up only is is because i haven't submitted to anything so i can't promote anything else coming up but i'll definitely be submitting throughout the year and hopefully get into a couple more local shows mm-hmm. and i'll i'll put that online as well awesome yeah. And you have a website too, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just jacobdoxy.com. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Jacob, thank you again for coming out here and for telling me all about yourself and your work. And I'm really super glad that I engaged in brief conversation with you at Zubac. Yeah. Good timing. Thanks so <laughs> much, Sarah. So. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us, Soda listeners. You can find our show notes and other information about us on our website at sodapodcast.blog. Please email us with any feedback or to alert us of any arts events coming up at stateoftheartspod at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at stateoftheartspod or search for Soda Podcast. You can find episodes of State of the Arts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. We have a Patreon. There's a donation tab on our website. Donating to the Patreon will help us cover the costs of producing the podcast. And as always, our music is provided by The Von Tramps. Thank you. You should use juxtaposition and hangman. I bet you'd win. Yeah, I would. That's cheating, though. You also... What? Why is that cheating? Because it's it's such a big word. Like... Whatever. I... uh, Another good one is um, jinx and sphinx. Oh. Just because no one ever guesses X. Sure. Yeah. No, I can can see that. Jinx and sphinx. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are my those are my go tos when I was a wee one. You know what? Now I know that. So <laughs> for all the times that we play, you know what? Together, it got me in this boring. era of coronavirus. Maybe that's the, that'll become our pastime. Oh my god, that's what we're yeah, we're, that's what we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna play hangman. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>